Just look at this studio filled with fabulous prizes. Ooh. All waiting to be won on Score North's... Pick your prize! Behind door number one is a $10,000 gift card to Chanhassen Dinner Theaters for shows, concerts, food, and beverage. Ooh. Door number two has $10,000 in home improvements for your kitchen, bathroom, windows, and more from Minnesota Rusco and Companies. Ah. And behind door number three, LASIK eye procedure from Dr. Lovanoff at Ovo LASIK and Lens. And a fantastic vacation. No surprise zoinks. What you want, you pick. 14 prizes in all, each valued at $10,000. Sign up for Score North's Pick Your Prize. You can register daily through the Score North app or go to scorenorth.com keyword prize. Sweepstakes begins March 18th. Special thanks to our prize partners. Wonder what those taste like. Poop them right out. Nice. Mm-hmm. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Yeah, you know how it is. You know, just got uh, got a little tangled up in practice, but uh, I'm gonna do whatever it takes. You know, it's playoffs, so I'm gonna do whatever it takes to be out there on Saturday with my teammates and uh, trying to help the team win. Oh boy. Didn't uh, didn't foresee this being a thing leading into the Vikings' biggest game of the year. But are we going to get an Adam Thielen, Kurt Schilling, sutures in the ankles game? Are we going to get the blo- a bloody sock game two point oh here? The Vikings version of the bloody you mean sock catch game? up sock. What do you mean? Kurt Schilling's an honest guy, isn't he? <laughs> He didn't go bankrupt, losing fifty million dollars with a here's I've got a, game company. Game company. I've got a very simple question: Can Adam Thielen run now after this? I don't think we know because <laughs> this is my this is my, I don't care if we get blood in the sock. I don't really care about that, but I do care if, if the guy can run or not. And the fact he's questionable, like you got to be a little bit apprehensive. I'm not, or I won't be truly concerned until. They either take the field on Saturday afternoon without him or with him sort of gimping along, but uh, this feels way too Vikings-like. Well, here's a, get hurt, by the way. Here's the transcript from Mike Zimmer's media session today. <laughs> I'm sure he revealed all. I'm sure he told us everything we need to know. Yeah. If you're wondering, what's the status of Adam Thielen? How did he hurt his ankle at practice? How did he, like, gash, gash open his ankle at practice this week? You think practice... Is mostly about scheming, and you're not going too hard in practice this time of year. You're mostly game planning, right? Well, the first question to Mike Zimmer was, "Do you think what happened to Adam Thielen in practice yesterday will limit him in the game?" And Zimmer said, "I don't know. He's questionable." Okay. Keep going. It gets better. Uh, question number two. And by the way, PJ Fleck joins us in about ten minutes. Also, Tony Dungy at five o'clock. Huge show today. Question number two. Uh, okay, what exactly happened to Adam Thielen's ankle? Mike Zimmer, I don't know. We don't talk about things that happen in practice. What? Question number three. Is okay, this Fight uh, Club? Number one rule about practice <laughs> you don't talk about practice? Uh, actually, question number question number three was about whether uh, the Vikings' experience in playoff games would matter. And then someone, in, in a very Judd Zolgad-like way, brought the conversation back to Adam Thielen. I've seen Judd in action as a beat writer in these settings. Like, no, this is about Adam Thielen. And the fourth question was, okay, back to Adam Thielen. Was it just sort of a fluke where somebody stepped on him? Just kind of a weird situation? And Mike Zimmer says, I don't know. 
<laughs> Thanks, I Mike. I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. What happened to Adam Thielen? So uh, with with that, now that now that Adam Thielen is officially questionable for this game against the 49ers, he's questionable for this game. How are you guys feeling here? How are you guys feeling about the Vikings' chances? Let's say Adam Thielen either can't play or he can't run at full speed and is just unavailable to do so, Adam Thielen things. Last week, when we got the news that Mike Hughes and Mackenzie Alexander were out on Friday, after giving the Vikings a better chance than I think just about anyone who talks about football, specifically the Vikings, as good a chance as anyone, if not a better chance than anyone, of them winning that football game, I quickly went, yeah, they're not, they're not going to win this football game. And I came on this show and said, they're going to need to score at least 30 points to win that football game, being without Mackenzie Alexander, Mike Hughes going against Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Mike Thomas, and the rest of the crew there in New Orleans. And I was obviously wrong. Clearly, I was wrong. They won the football game, and they didn't need 30 points. I was wrong, and I probably overreacted to those injuries. So when I saw the feeling news come out, I was like, all right, Robbie, you overreacted last week. Let's really think about... The Vikings without Adam Thielen or with the less effective Adam Thielen. Is this really as bad as it looks or as it seems? Is your knee-jerk reaction the right reaction? And I think, yeah, I think it's a big problem. <laughs> I'm going to run the risk of making this mistake again. I think it's a huge problem not having Adam Thielen at all, which it looks like he'll play, or even a less effective Adam Thielen on the football field. I think it is a significant problem, maybe one that could cost him a football game. I keep coming back to, can he run? Because he doesn't need to run super, super quick because he's not super, super quick. But I guess my I guess my question is, and we'll see if and when he plays when the game starts on Saturday, is the one key is he's got to be a threat, right? Because if it's just Diggs and now it's your, and now it's no Thielen, I'm not saying Diggs can't have a good day. I mean, Treadwell's fresh. He but, sat the last yeah, game. Yeah, which really scares me. And they threw the ball to some practice squad kid that, that we immediately called up the roster and had to look up. But if he can run, because the threat is Diggs playing, Thielen playing, Cook playing, right? So if he can get out there, and I don't care if the stitches burst, if he can still run and he's bleeding, I don't care about that. Can he catch the ball? The, the answer to that question is probably yes. So... I am reserving judgment. I do want to know, though, and I know a lot of fans don't care, but I do. I do want to know, how do you get hurt in a practice this close to a huge game? Yeah, that's when the question. You're, when you're this good. But, like, it, like, if this happened to a fifth-string wide receiver who was screwing around, I'd be like, well, that's irresponsible, but I don't really care. But it's Adam Thielen. Yeah, but you're not, like, here's where I'm torn. I mean, how? I'm guessing it's just some freak thing. They're not... There's no way that they're going, you know, hardcore and he got, you know, yeah. tackled aggressively. Like he's not getting tackled in practice. It's, it's, it's likely that someone just stepped there just running a route and a cornerback or somebody, a safety, I don't know, stepped on his ankle. Of all the no? times for a fluky thing like that to occur, though, this does feel in some ways incredibly Viking like, right? Of course. Like it had to be the Vikings. You can't just bring in like a full. Close to healthy team, as close to healthy right. as you can be at this time of the NFL season when everyone's mostly banged up. You go in. I still feel like if if he plays and and let's say he's you know at least eighty to ninety percent of what he is, and this is just a it's it's a flesh wound. It's not like it's a, a high flesh, ankle sprain or something. It's a flesh wound. If it doesn't prevent but him to from me running flesh fast, wound. <laughs> <laughs> if it if it <laughs> he's out, it's just his torso with no arms or legs. One of the great. <laughs> I mean, if if it's if it's not something that hinders how fast he can run, yeah, 
I'm leaning toward the Vikings winning this game. So I've just been I. thinking on this all week, and they're di- they're dialed in in terms of game planning defensively. Jimmy Garoppolo, you can fluster Jimmy Garoppolo. You know this is this is a first time spot for Kyle Shanahan too. And if if the Vikings don't get unlucky with an injury situation here, it would just be a shame if that w- if they were ready to beat the Niners and like. Adam Thielen getting stabbed by someone's cleat in in a mostly meaningless practice. I think the edge, the difference between these two teams, whichever way you lean that that edge or difference is, is is razor thin. I, I haven't come up with a prediction yet. I, I honestly haven't. I don't have a thought on who I think will win this game yet, at least not a well-formulated one. As I sit here today, I think it's about 50-50. And when it's that close, missing a player, the caliber of Adam Thielen, or even having a guy at less than 100% like Adam Thielen, not as effective as he could be out there on the football field, yeah. that can be the difference. I feel like it's going to be Vikings by three, and I'm probably way too swayed by what happened in the Superdome on Sunday. But when Zimmer unveiled that game plan, my thought keeps coming back to, uh-huh, okay, what's next? Not, oh, no, you got Garoppolo now, right? When, when you can go in and stop... Drew Brees, and not just stop him, but make him look as bad as I think I've ever seen Drew Brees look, right? When you can go in and hold Michael Thomas to seven catches, pretty good day, 70 yards, which is nothing. Kittle looks scary to me. Yes, he does. And they've got some guys that that can certainly run and catch the football. But now my question is, if you could do that to, to, uh, to the Saints, and I realize that you had a longer week to do it, but if you could do that, to the Saints on the road in that environment, I can't dismiss the fact that there could be a curveball or something that we're going to see starting at 3.30 on Saturday where you say again, yes. And the other thing I really liked was I thought the I thought the entire stew of how they put the Cousins game plan together was, was ideal, which was not to say Kirk... You've got to be the star. It was to say, Kirk, there are times where we need you to do X, Y, and Z, but you can do those things, and yeah. we know that, and Kirk did those things. Hey, back to your defensive point, though, for a second. Like, What's the next wrinkle? What's the next thing? And on Tuesday's cram session, Jonathan asked us, okay, what, what, what do you predict is the next thing, the next curveball that Mike Zimmer throws at the next opponent here? And the more you start to really break down what San Francisco is good at offensively, they have fast wide receivers, and you start to, okay, what, what what does San Francisco have? And then what does Minnesota have? And the Vikings have a cornerback in Xavier Rhodes that you don't really trust, certainly on an island by himself at this point anymore, against most receivers, but especially against fast receivers, right? It just seems like a recipe for disaster. And it seems like you're almost always going to have to dedicate safety help over the top, right? Doesn't this point more and more to what I said in cram session? And I, apparently I stole it from Alex Boone, but maybe it's just two great football minds thinking alike. Xavier Rhodes on George Kittle as the wrinkle and this then, weekend. And then what's the wrinkle elsewhere? Holton Hill plays a lot and takes Cross your fingers one, and one of the receivers. <laughs> I don't know. No, I mean, Holton Hill is faster than Rhodes now, right? Easily. So does Holton Hill take the receiver? Waynes takes. A receiver, which sort of does scare me a little bit, but I can I mean, see someone, that. I mean, someone, ha- someone, someone has to do it. And Rhodes takes, and, and Rhodes and a combination of Rhodes and Kendricks take Kittle. Is that the key? It could be. I still like the idea of giving Garoppolo different looks from uh, Barr as well. 
I think you got to do something to fluster them. I, I think part of the key to slowing them down is to apply pressure. And it's going to have to be pressure that that Shanahan and Garoppolo don't expect, at least at the outset. The other thing that we talked about today on Score North Live quite a bit was Kittle can catch passes. You almost don't care. Like, he can have 10 catches, 12 catches. It's the yak. Football sounder, oh, please. Oh, sorry, hold on. Uh, go back and do that one Kittle more time. Kittle can catch passes. 10 passes, 12 passes. You don't care. It's the yak. Football. Yakety, yakety yak. Because he got the yak. He's got the yak going for him. Sure. So if you can hold him, if you can give up six-yard, six let's say, receptions to Kittle and bang, you tackle him, you're like, okay, that's cool. That's fine. Yeah. It's when he catches the ball, it's a six-yard reception, and now he goes 25 yeah. more yards. So, I mean, th- th- there are so, so, fun. so many fun components about this game, and if... Maybe we can talk more about this later on in the show, but I was just I was on Rami's old station, the fan in Milwaukee, this afternoon with our guy uh, Bill Michaels, who also hosts our favorite Packer Ventline show, the Green and Gold Post Game Show, that has been feeding our show content for years. His friends call him Billy Mike. I feel like Billy you can just Mike? call him Billy Mike Me at this point. Billy Mike yeah. and I were kicking it around, and I told Billy Mike, if, I'm totally jinxing this right now, but if there are football gods that care about the Midwest, please let there be a Vikings Packers set of wins this weekend so those two teams can play each other at Lambeau Field for a Super Bowl trip. I mean, come on. Like, isn't I'm that totally with you. the best scenario for this weekend? I know Vikings fans, it's it's not part of your DNA to root for the Packers. But what would be the most fun thing? If the if you're rooting for the Vikings to get to the Super Bowl, wouldn't it be fun for the Packers to be the team that you conquer in their stadium at the end of the NFC road? Like, come on. That's what I'm rooting for this weekend. That's It'll be the so script. much fun. I mean, that's that's the Hollywood script that you would write for this team if you were writing this this into a Hollywood script, would it not be? They beat you twice. Your hated rivals. You have to go through them again. Not only that team, but on their field to get to the promised land of the Super Bowl. That's that's the that's the most dramatic way to get there. That's for sure. It might not be the path of least resistance. Although I think it is. I think the Seahawks are a tougher matchup for the Vikings, but. That is that's the most dramatic way to get where they're trying to go right now. Kirk Cousins stars in Green Bay, throws three touchdowns, ends with uh Sorry, I'm on the wrong page. Really, this is I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Jonathan, I'm you know, sorry. I'm you know, sorry. You helped me with twenty points, man. You gave us a chance at the end, but I got three words for you. You like that? <laughs> Echoing throughout the bowels of Lambeau Field. Judd and I are like the pitcher catcher combination right now. We're like, I'm putting down the two. He's shaking me off. Like, no, like, no, 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 dude, what's <laughs> no, no, change, change. I want to throw the change. So uh, we're going to keep it here. Whenever you're listening to Mackie and Judd with Rami, you're always getting 25 straight minutes of Mackie and Judd with Rami, whether you like it or not. Tony Dungy is set to join the show in about 45 minutes from now. We'll get some sage football wisdom in about 10 or 15 minutes, but. Let's catch up with, uh, we actually did this about an hour ago, uh, radio uh, radio secrets. We, we taped P.J. Fleck a little while ago. We had a great conversation with our friend P.J. Fleck after his Outback Bowl win. And uh, let's roll tape here, Jonathan. All right, and now we welcome in Gophers head coach and uh, champion of the Outback Bowl in a win over Auburn last week, P.J. Fleck to the Mackey and Judd with Rami show and my first question off the bat is a very important one PJ are you ready Are you prepared? I am ready Did you get a selfie photo with the Outback Bowl Bloomin' Onion mascot after that game was over <laughs> Not after the game but uh 
prior festivities before that, yes. Of course. Nice. Amazing. Course. Was there was there a Bloomin' onions, bloomin onions for everybody. Did the was there an accompanying uh, dip mascot standing next to it or just the bloomin' onion there mascot? There really should be. No, there was something else next to it. I, a coconut shrimp, I think it was. Oh, that's, oh, that's right. pretty that's good, PJ. Right. Yeah. <laughs> coconut shrimp is solid. Underrated, I would say. Yeah, I don't even I like coconut. Coconut shrimp. Mine, mine, not so much. Yeah, I don't even like coconut, but I like coconut shrimp. Is there a better appetizer than the Outback Bloomin' Onion? I, I can't. I know these aren't football questions, but Coach, is there a better appetizer out there than the Outback Bloomin' Onion? That thing is money. It's, it's pretty popular. I would say that there's, uh, you know, some goat cheese dips and stuff like that at certain restaurants. We like. I'm a huge goat cheese guy, so, uh, you know, I like stuff like that a goat cheese guy that is amazing by i've the never way. i've never heard anybody refer to themselves as a goat cheese guy that's goat goat cheese also very good uh so P- P- pj where does this win uh especially you know with, with the circumstances of i think auburn open as an eight-point favorite where does this take you guys in terms of the program too because you know to do it in a standalone jan one bowl um, and to get a win against a program that strong, especially coming off the uh, Wisconsin loss, what did that mean to your program and to you as a coach? Well, it just shows the resolve of our football team that you know you're not going to let one game define you in the positive way or in a negative way. You know, we're building a program, we're building a championship program, uh, we're building a very very strong culture built on a foundation of character, uh, academically, athletically, socially, and spiritually. So, for us, it just shows that. You know, we'll be able to respond to whatever that comes our way. Uh, we're getting better as a football team. Uh, our, our team is not necessarily worried about what opponent we have, but just how well we play and how well we execute and how well we run our offense, defense, special teams, and really just how well this team can play together as a team. And uh, that's why I'm so proud of them. They, they created over 100 different nevers and firsts. They created over 60 restorations, we call them. This is one of the most historic years in the history of our program, and it needs to be celebrated and needs to be looked at that way. Coach, sometimes in a in, in, in a way that you can kind of look at things in a very cynical way, it's it's a it really needs to be celebrated and looked at as this is kind of a dry, drawing a line in the sand, saying you know this program is is going to be back to where it used to be, but in modern day kind of football. And coach, I, when you mentioned cynicism, when we were waiting to hear the announcement of which bowl you guys would be headed to and who you would be facing, I don't mind admitting that I I was on one side of the fence and one of my co-hosts was on that side of the fence with me of saying, "Let's get an easy win here. Let's get a program that you you're pretty sure you're going to go out and beat because this is basically an advertisement for recruiting and and what the program is and what you guys have accomplished." Judd was saying, "Bring on Auburn, bring on Alabama, bring on whoever it is." He gave you guys a, a chance to win that game and to really put on stage what this program was all about. Are you thinking about that at all before you hear your bowl matchup, or are you just preparing and bring on whoever it is that they bring on? Oh, no. First of all, you want to play in the best bowl game you can possibly play in, and if you're going to play in one of the best bowl games you can play in, you're going to play an elite opponent. So leading up to that, we didn't know whether, you know, going into that we were going to play in the Rose Bowl if we beat Wisconsin. We knew we'd have the Pac-12 winner. Uh, we knew that if we went to the Outback or Citrus Bowl, we'd have the number, you know, number two, number three, number four teams in the SEC. So we knew that they'd be right up there with everybody else. And once we knew that we weren't playing in the Rose Bowl, we were going to play in Citrus or Outback, that we knew we'd either play Alabama or Auburn. And uh, if you had to pick a, if you had to flip a coin, and Alabama's on one side, Auburn's on the other, I'm not sure where, where you'd want it to land. Um, but the one thing our team was is we don't care who we play. You know, we're going to get Alabama, or know we're going to get Auburn, but we love that. We want to embrace that. To be a blue blood and to become a blue blood like we were back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, you got to beat blue blood teams like that. 
And this is our first top 10 win against a non-conference opponent ever. Think about that, ever. And, and, if, and if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. And, and for teams like Auburn and Alabama and Minnesota playing those teams and expecting to win, that scares some people. You know, that, that makes people uneasy. But that's what we're going to need to be able to get ourselves back to that blue blood mentality, those wins like that. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think I can speak for all of us, and and and, and this is Rami's first year uh, in the Twin Cities with us. But it's the most fun that we've had watching Gophers football, probably in my lifetime. PJ, I mean, I'm 34, 35 years old, and it was just, it was, it was unbelievably fun watching the team. And I've said this to these guys on the show: you don't just like if if you're going to take a program from wherever it is to top 15 program or top 12 program, like like you guys have done this year. You're not just going to flip on the lights and get a bunch of four and five star recruits, and all of a sudden, all right, let's now we've got an Alabama roster and an Auburn roster. Let's get ready to rock. You're going to have to coach up the talent that you have, and then bring in new talent. What is it about your coaching staff that squeezes extra toothpaste out of the tube, so to speak, uh, with this roster? Well, first of all, they coach up, they teach up, they educate up, they love up. Uh, they do all of that. You know, it, it's difficult to coach on our staff just because every stone is turned over. Uh, and academically, athletically, socially, spiritually, our players and coaches are demanded to perform at a very high level. And, you know, we just had 86 players above a 3.0. Okay. And we have a 3.21 GPA, which is the highest in the history of our program. And then you come with 11 win season. We only have five players on this team that are four star or above. Everybody else is three star or two stars. So you've got to get the most out of our players, and I think our staff does a really good job, probably the best in the country, at developing the talent that we have in all areas of their life. And if you can win off the field, you're going to win on the field because that's going to be a culture, that's going to be a team, that's people who do things the right way, and those are going to be people who are connected, and I think that's what our staff brings to the table. Has there been a part of this success that's come fairly quickly, PJ, that that doesn't surprise you in the fact it's come, but in the quickness, in, in the fact that in a relatively short time, you've taken a program that's had lots of lows and gotten it uh, uh, this to this point this quickly. Well, you can't worry about where we've been. You only can worry about where you are and where you're going. Uh, you have to embrace your past to create your future. And that's what we continue to tell our players to be able to do on a daily basis. But in terms of speed, how it happens, we have a certain way of doing it. We only had 11 seniors this year. So some people say maybe we're ahead of schedule. Well, we have those, those other players who are not seniors are incredible young men who have picked this program to make it a championship program, to restore it of our traditions of old with a new type of culture for the modern-day era of football, on the field and off the field. So it's no surprise that these guys are able to do that because of the character they are. These guys are usually around high school teams that they've turned around, that they flipped, that they made better, that they made champions. So there's no coincidence that they're doing it now. Time is just, it's going to happen at some point if the, if the actual culture and the process are in place and done the right way. It's going to happen at some point. You don't really have a determination of when that happens. The light goes on for different cultures and programs, or the light never goes on and coaches get fired. So it's either one or the other. And we have elite people here who are willing to do uncommon things together, and they decided to do that no matter what anybody else told them they could or could not do. Because remember, this team was picked six in the West by the media outsource, right? So six, and they ended up 11-2 and two in the most modern-day era of football since 1904, won the most games in the history of our program in 115 years. So, And we were picked six. That takes elite young men and elite coaches 
to be able to have that happen in an elite culture. And when you talk about elite coaches, uh, one of one of them moved on to Penn State shortly after your season was over. How how do you prevent taking a step back in any of those areas that you talked about when you lose a guy as important to your staff as you have already? Well, first of all, Kirk Shirok is a wonderful friend, a tremendous football coach. I'm very proud of him, very happy for him to be able to go out and live his dream. He's from Pennsylvania. I've said all along I want my coaches to, to leave and go fulfill their dreams. My dream has come true. Every one of my coaching staff members have made my dream come true. And so the way you pay that forward as a coach is you allow them to be able to live out their dream by supporting them because they've helped you have your dream come true. And that's only fair. Uh, and that's how we run our program. Now, I think we showed in the bowl game that this program is not based on one coach, whether it's offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, wide receiver coach, head coach. We need each other. And the power of people in numbers is really what the secret sauce is, is the power. And that's what we were able to provide. Mike Sanford's here. He's a tremendous football coach. Um, we're actually meeting this whole week just on our offense, and he's learning that, picking it up, and we're going to be better for it because somebody else is going to be able to keep 85% of what we do and then add a new 15% flair. Um, our coaches are going to be able to add a little bit more, uh, do some things, throw some things out that maybe we didn't like, add some new things, add new wrinkles. So I think it can only make it better when you have change as long as you embrace change properly. Uh, PJ, what do you expect from Tyler Johnson and now Antoine Winfield Jr. at the next level in the NFL? Well, first of all, very excited for both of them. Uh, they've had tremendous careers at the University of Minnesota. You know, everybody talked about Antoine coming out early, but it's really not early. I mean, this is his fourth year, right? I mean, this guy should be a true senior, right, with Carter Coughlin and Thomas Barber and guys like that. But uh, we support him 100%, wish him all the best. He's given so much to the University of Minnesota. He's going to make a team way better. And I think he's going to surprise people. I think people are going to get him as a steal, especially since he came out quote-unquote early. I think people are going to get him as a steal. Uh, and then you're going to see him play in the league for a long time. Uh, and then when you look at Tyler Johnson, his career here is second to none. I think he leaves here as the greatest receiver in the history of University of Minnesota. Yeah. With all due respect to Ron Johnson, uh, Eric Decker, guys like that. But I think they'd all agree of what he was able to do. Coming back for his senior year, being the most prolific receiver in Minnesota history, and really changing the dynamic of what we're doing as a program. You uh, you going to watch Vikings Niners this weekend? Oh, of course I am. I mean, absolutely. I was glued to the TV last week. So that was much a fun, fun game to watch, too, and uh, getting the Saints again. Yeah. Which team wins, though? Because you you played for uh, San Fran, and obviously now you know, know Kirk, and uh, I'm sure Mike as well. Well, I'm not even sure if the Niners remember me even on their team. I, I was only there two and a half years. And once, and once they realized that I was still on the team, they kind of forgot for a while. They realized that I got cut. So um, I, you got to go with the hometown uh, Skull Vikes. I mean, that, that's easy. Uh, you know, I just um, it, it's so fun to be able to have them have the success they had with Kirk Cousins having the success he has. And, you know, Kirk's never one to sit there and prove doubters wrong. I don't think that's his mission, but – He's showing what type of quarterback he truly is, and I think it always takes time when you get to a new system and a new place, and I think he's showing what the the maturity and the growth comes after about a year and a half to two years in the same system. Yeah. Well, PJ, thank you for uh, for coming on the show uh, today and a couple times through the season. It was just uh, it was a lot of fun watching go for football this year, and we're already looking forward to next year, so we'll, uh, we'll talk again soon, man. We are too, guys. Row the boat, Sky Yamaha. Go Gophers, and Skull Vikes. Thanks. I like that. I like the way he tagged that at the very end there. The the, the skull Vikes. Got to mix it up every once in a while. Yeah. Um, maybe we can add like a Twins one to it. Timberwolves haven't really been playing. Is it just well this season? Go Twins. Do they we're, have a we're, thing? We're going to win Twins. 
Is what that if a he's thing? We're going to win twins. Bombas? Bomba season. Bombas Hashtag Bomba season. Bombas away. Bombas away. That could work, too. Mm-hmm. Could work. So uh, thanks for PJ. Thanks to PJ Fleck for joining the Mackie and Jeb with Rami show. It's always fun when we, when we talk to him. When we come back, some sage football wisdom and two main themes with our friend Sage Rosenfels. Number one, the performance of Kirk Cousins against New Orleans and what to look for against the Niners. And Sage spent several years playing under, at the time, position coach Kyle Shanahan, who's now the head coach of the 49ers. So a bunch of inside information here from our friend Sage and Tony Dungy in about 30 minutes from now on Mackie and Jeb with Rami. But let's talk about something very, very important here. And that would be how you're doing saving money for retirement. Now, I don't care whether you're 30 or whether you're 60 or somewhere in between. There are things you can and should be doing to make sure you get to dictate what your life looks like in retirement. And that's where Dale Tondrick comes in, in Tondrick Wealth Management. They'll help you set up a plan to make sure you are on the right track financially for retirement. Now, there's a number of different factors in play here. I mean, there's the possibility of if you're not doing the right things, you could run out of money later in your life. That would be very, very bad. Uh, Maybe on the other side, maybe you're actually able to retire earlier than you think. Instead of, I don't know, 65, maybe you can retire at 56 or whatever if you make the right financial decisions leading up to that point. Uh, There's also various tax-related things that could save or cost you money depending on which path you choose, and that, again, is where Dale comes in. Dale Tondrick and Tondrick Wealth Management can be found at 952-401-1671. That's 952-401-1671 or myinvestingcoach.com. Also, Federated Mutual Insurance Company is here for business owners out there. If you're a business owner, and I've been one in my life, it's very difficult. It's also very rewarding if things are going in the right direction. You pour your life and your energy into a business, and the last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense. That's where our friends at Federated come in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, over a century of experience in standing behind business owners. And they help business owners in many different industries. We're talking about auto services, Cabinet and custom woodworking retailers, wholesalers, contractors, dealerships, funeral services, machine, plastics, tooling. If your business falls under one of these categories, go to their website, federatedinsurance.com. Find out why they've been such a trusted resource and a trusted partner of many businesses. In fact, at Federated, they believe their value is measured by the success of you, the business owner. If you win, they win. Federatedinsurance.com. To find out more information, and remember, at Federated, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Score North on AM 1500 is your radio home for the College Football National Championship game between the defending champion Clemson Tigers and Heisman winner Joe Burrow and LSU. Hear the game this Monday night at 7 p.m. right here on Score North on AM 1500. You just heard from P.J. Fleck. We'll hear from Sage Rosenfels here in just a little bit. And then Tony Dungy right at 5 o'clock right here on Mackie and Judd with Rami. But first, Richard Sherman talked to the media in San Francisco yesterday. Talked about what makes Kirk Cousins so efficient and so difficult to go up against, saying? Well, he throws the ball away when he, when he needs to. Um, he throws the ball into the ground. He throws the ball um, into a spot when he has somebody open. Um, you know, at times when other quarterbacks were forced in there, he doesn't. Um, you know, he, he looks down the field, he, he checks everything, he checks every box, and then he, he goes to his outlets when he needs to. Uh, 
and he, he's not afraid to, to do that. He, he doesn't get impatient. Um, he'll take check downs all game if you if, if that's what what the defense gives him. That's been your score, North Alamo. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. All right, Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Score North and the Score North app, and we are all in this week on Vikings 49ers. Full coverage, preview articles on scorenorth.com, uh, an in-depth breakdown of how many stitches Adam Thielen needed on his sliced-up ankle from practice this week. Do we week, know the is, number of stitches? I don't, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. It sounded good, though. Yeah, okay. It's a lot of, lot of stitches. Sorry. Uh, Sage Rosenfels is, uh, is our quarterback guru here. And we bring him in every single Thursday on Mackie and Jeb with Rami for some Sage football wisdom. And Sage, I think I think we start with the fact that Kirk Cousins, who's been slammed in a lot of ways, rightfully so, his whole career for not coming through in big clutch road winning opponent moments, and in maybe the biggest spot of his life playing football, he drops a 42-yard dime to Adam Thielen and a perfect fade pass to Kyle Rudolph for a walk-off overtime win. Let's just go back and revisit that from your standpoint. What what was going through your head when you saw Kirk Cousins becoming clutch in front of your eyes? Yeah, so, you know, I think criticism of a quarterback that's had that many losses, whether he's played well or not, but that many losses in those, you know, primetime games or the, these types of games, games against winning opponents, that is completely fair. Uh, there's, you know, there's nothing. Uh, you just look at the facts, sort of, of that. And um, but this was also fair that he was clutch, and the Vikings asked him to be pl- clutch, and he came through. Uh, on that drive, I believe there were five pass plays. The first one was a play action. They decided to take sort of a shot down the field. They play uh, the opponent plays zone coverage. Checks the ball down. Right, smart play. Get a completion. I believe his next one was a screen that nothing was there, and he threw it away. Rather than trying to run like Carson Wentz and get hurt, he throws in the dirt. Screen wasn't there. Could have been a five-yard loss. Then the the next big throw is the slant. They have a third and one. Now, as a Vikings fan, you're thinking, okay, Dalvin Cook, third and one, all right? Uh, maybe a C.J. Ham, little fullback, something, something on a third and one. Maybe he sneaks through there. Maybe Football. it's a quarterback sneak. They go with the pass on a slant uh, against uh, uh, with Stephon Diggs, all right, who was the guy they needed when they, you know, when they needed it most. Diggs really came through on this play. He didn't have a big game, but uh, but he was covered pretty well. And on this play, he gets great separation. Cousins hits him right on the money for a first down. And then a couple plays later, he hits the, the deep corner route. And the same corner route that he overthrew versus the Bears to the same receiver early in the year in Chicago. All right, that one was a straight drop back. This one had a little play action to it. And, uh, and it was actually the play right after. Uh, the cornerback for the Saints got hurt and twisted his ankle. They bring in the backup. Stephans goes right to work, attacks the fresh corner, the new corner, the young guy out there, and with Adam Thielen. Thielen obviously makes a great catch, uh, but also, you know, Kirk Cousins really, that, that is basically the perfect throw. I mean, maybe you could say he was off by six inches, uh, you know, on a 40-some, 45-yard throw. So it was really the whole drive that was clutch uh, for Kirk Cousins. And sometimes that includes, you know, throwing the ball in the dirt, when that screen wasn't there, that's a huge play. People don't realize that, but that keeps you uh, on second and ten rather than second and say fifteen. And uh, and he and he was clutch on that drive. And and uh, and congrats to him. Congrats to this team. And, and hopefully he can be clutch again on uh, on Saturday because he might need it. So Sage, how much of what we saw on Sunday in the Superdome translates in your mind to Saturday in Santa Clara against San Francisco? What have you done for me lately? 
right? I mean, it's like, I don't know, it's a different game, and he's going to have to come come through clutch again. So I don't know. Sometimes, you know, guys aren't always going to be clutch, and some guys, you know, got some guys like Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson seem to be clutch more often than others. That's why they're regularly winning football games, right? And, uh, you know, Kirk, uh, he did it one time. Now let's, you know, see if he does it again. So I don't think necessarily, I mean, in the history, he hasn't been consistently clutch. So you would probably think that he's not going to play that well this week. But, you know, I bet uh, that, that that game gave himself and his teammates, the whole organization, a ton of confidence because he made all those throws. Then obviously a good throw and a tough snap to Kyle Rudolph to finish it out. I, I, I got to believe that coming through sometimes it, it, it sometimes it does sort of the light does turn on all of a sudden it's like i can do this and everyone believes and and uh, and i think that happens somewhere along the line with tom brady and from then on out everyone believed in tom brady uh to be a clutch player and he basically always has been so you know we'll see what happens with kirk cousins uh this weekend were you surprised they basically put the game in his hands in that spot there in overtime I think Stefanski called the best plays. It wasn't about putting it in his hands or, or this, that, and the other. I really just think Kevin was calling the best plays for the situation. Uh, I think he thought that Stefan Diggs is going to win. We got, I, he probably just liked that play. Uh, I, they may have run that play earlier in the game, but um, I, I think he likes Stefan Diggs run a slant route to basically have a chance to win the game in a sense, you know, on, on a really, really big play. The Saints were all stacked up in there. It was going to be a big mush, uh, and, and I'm, not, I'm not sure if they get a first down. You know what's really interesting, by the way? Here's an algorithm stat you know, thing for you with all the new stat stuff that, that people have out there. Third and one is the only third down that is actually in a better position in a sense of like uh, the easiness of, of doing a positive play as first and ten. Third and two is harder is, is worse than first and ten. Isn't that a, an interesting really? sort of stat there? Yeah. What's your what's, two, what's your logic there? Why do you think well, that is? It Just, was it, it was by pro football focus based off of the result, like positive or negative result. Uh, of what happens on first and ten versus what happens on third and two or more. Is that just third and is, one's the, is that just third because, and one is like first and eight basically? Right. Is what they're trying to and say. probably because on first and ten they don't know if you're going to run or your entire playbook is open on first and ten. And if you're willing to go for it on fourth down, I would think that like midfield third and two, third and one. If you're willing to go for it on fourth down, your whole playbook is also open on third down and one, third down and two. Yeah, right. It just sort of, you know, it's, it was just really, really interesting to have that guy on from Pro Football Focus uh, a, few weeks ago, a few weeks ago with Collar, and, and he was talking about that. I mean, that's just really amazing, but it's not that easy just to run for a first down, uh, you know, on third and two or even third and one when basically the game is on the line, and it takes a lot of guts to, to throw a pass, and, and it takes a lot of guts to, to call that pass, and, and you know, really nice job by Stefanski, nice job by Stefan Diggs. He is so quick. The separation he gets, that's something that's really, really hard to see at the combine in these private workouts and his 40 time and the stupid three-cone drill and the stupid other agility <laughs> drill. Like, drill. how do you get away from somebody? And Stefan Diggs and Thielen, they do, they do a great job uh, of doing that. George Kittle and the 49ers uh, receivers, man, I'm watching film on these guys. They are explosive, and they can get away from people and get separation. That is uh, the mark of a good wide receiver, and that's one of, that's one of the reasons Stephon Diggs is you know, maybe a top-five wide receiver in the NFL. So uh, sage football wisdom here on Mackie and Judd with Rami, Score North. And by the way, Judd and I will be hosting a two-and-a-half-hour pregame show starting at 1 o'clock on Saturday. And then right after the game is over, watch the game anywhere. Talk about it with us here on Score North because we'll be taking your calls on Vikings Vent Line right when the final whistle blows until 
uh, well into the night if if needed. And you bring up Kevin Stefanski's play calling and him dialing up perfect plays in that overtime and down the stretch. So here's where I'm at, guys, with Kevin Stefanski. Whether he's going to become a great head coach or not someday, there's one job open right now, and it's Cleveland. And he's interviewing for it this week. Don't take it. I'm, Wait a year. <laughs> honestly, dude, like I am, I, I would tell Cleveland at this point, because he's going he's gonna to have chances in his career and his life to be a head coach. I am not taking that job if I'm him, especially a week where I'm trying to prepare for the 49ers. I would, like, they also have like four other guys that are interviewing Josh McDaniels. I mean, I am telling Cleveland if I'm Kevin Stefanski, really appreciate the interest. Thanks, but no thanks. I can't. I can't do this. I take it if I'm if I'm him and wow. it's offered. I take it, Sage, because a there's only thirty you know two of those jobs in the world. A, he should he should uh, right now if if I'm uh, Rick Spielman and Rob Brzezinski and who, and maybe the owner whoever makes that decision. I don't know what Stefanski's salary is for the Vikings, but I'd say hey, take your name off the list for that Cleveland Browns job. We'll give you an extra million dollars and pay him two million dollars to be the offensive coordinator for at least another year. That's what I would do. And if that, if uh, that think, was on the I table. Think what, I think it's worth it. Uh, uh, for, yeah, you know, he gets a pay raise, something like that. And, and, you know, it's up to Stefanski if he's really interested in that job. I mean, Cleveland is, the problem is they're just, if, you know, if Vikings fans think, uh, you know, there's like a bad luck thing hanging over the franchise, I mean, the Cleveland Browns, uh, you know, they're never even close to the playoffs. So that's one of the hardest things about being a Vikings fan is they're always in the playoffs or near the playoffs or whatever, and occasionally have a bad year, and occasionally they get you right to the championship game and it falls apart, but they at least toy with you. The Browns are just terrible all the time. Baker Mayfield is an extremely talented quarterback. There's so many things he does well, but uh, he seems to for me to be immature. Uh, and not in that CEO mindset of, of what I believe you know, generally are winning quarterbacks throughout history. Um, and I don't know if almost any that act like the way he does. So um, I, I think there's, you know, OBJ, there's all that there. And, and I don't know. I, I think they're, the next year there'll be se- – I mean, there's only five jobs this year. Usually there seems to be seven or eight. I would think next year – uh, if he has another good year, he's going to probably and he's going to have pretty much his whole offense back, right? Uh, and that's a pretty good spot to be in with maybe a couple of draft picks. Uh, I got to think next year Stefanski will have as good a year, if not better, of a year, and then he might have his choice. And you know, who knows what those jobs will be a year from now. I mean, if 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 let's say the Texans lose this weekend and then they have a really bad year next year, I mean. We see what Cousins does in this offense. I mean, imagine what Deshaun Watson does in this offense. And they have always underperformed there in Houston despite having, you know, some, some weapons and, and whatever. They've never had, like, a great offense, a particular throwing offense. That's supposed to be Bill O'Brien's thing. So, you know, he at some point might be under a little bit of pressure. I'm not really sure. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of places uh, that need a head coach. And i got to think Kevin Stefanski a year from now um, will have a lot more options than just one option here uh, in Cleveland. But then again, he may take it, you know. He may take. They've got great fans. I tell you what, they are extremely loyal, and everyone that I've ever known. That's yeah, they're idiots. The they're all they're idiots. Yeah, like, well, you know, that team's been garbage for thirty years. Like, why are you spending and they, money? And on? listen, and you go to a game, and the place is full. You go to a game, and the place is full. And I've played there maybe a half dozen times in my career. 
and it's not an easy place to play. Uh, if you if it, if it's a close game, those those fans are really really good. I mean, uh, they they have, they love football in that town, and, and they show up despite the fact that they don't even um, aren't even you know, don't even have any hope after about six weeks usually. But they still show. Up. They might leave at halftime, but they still show up for the for at least the beginning of the game. Whenever a conversation like this comes up, because the Browns are maybe the team that people talk about like this, but not the only team that people talk about like the this. Bengals. You're automatically disadvantaged because right. the owner, like, literally does not spend money on. They just sort of cheap it out. The you, Jets too, Sage. The Jets the are Jets. a dumpster fire. They're a complete but I, joke. But I always say, Sage, that a there's only 32 of these jobs, and if you've had lifelong aspirations of being a head coach, you just jump at that. And b and you can call this the arrogance of of head coaches or whatever the case might be. I think a lot of these guys look at that, and I, I kind of have this same mindset and go. Yeah, it hasn't worked for other guys there, but it'll work for me. I'll gamble on myself that it's going to work, that I'll figure it out, I'll crack the code, and I'll fix this thing. Yeah, you know, I think every coach thinks they could probably make another team happy. And at the end of the day, the rules are fairly even you know, for the NFL, but for whatever reason, some franchises seem to consistently – be winning and some don't right so um you know it's it's like a quarterback when you get drafted it's important as to who you get drafted to do you know how valuable it's been that kirk cousins got drafted to the washington uh franchise and had to have shanahan both shanahan's to have matt lafleur to have sean McVay. that was his offensive coaching staff all right you know at the end of how nice that is to not be a by you know a, 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 an offensive coach that you know none of the guys end up being, you know, they're, they're guys that always are, you know, 25th in the league in offense or whatever. There's certain coaches that do a really good job of having quarterbacks that can execute and then put up really good numbers and, and, uh, and be successful. And this whole world here, this, you know, this sort of Shanahan, Kubiak, Lafleur, Stefanski now world, uh, McVeigh, that it's, it has had a lot of success and quarterbacks have played pretty dang well from Jared Goff being a joke to being a pretty good quarterback that went to the Super Bowl last year. They have a way of making these quarterbacks, uh, uh play well. And, you know, there's other offenses. Everyone keeps failing like New England offenses other than Tom Brady, it seems like to me. You yep. know, they go other places and they struggle. All these, all the backups, uh, uh, you know, a lot of times struggle at places. And, and, but in this offense, a lot of guys, uh, over the years. And I just remember when I, like, left Houston, actually when I signed in Houston and, and I was talking to another coach in the league and I said that, you know, you know, Houston was offering me, you know, th- this much, blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, he basically like, take that job because you'll learn so much from Kubiak and, and you'll extend your career because he'll just put you in the right position. And then after I left Houston, I saw other co- quarterbacks go there. Guys like Matt Leinart and Rex Grossman put up like they throw for 250 in a preseason game just because like they could go and really execute in that offense. And, and more often than not, from Joe Flacco in Baltimore with Coobs, he had a really good year there. From Shanahan's time with Atlanta, he obviously had his MVP Super Bowl. I mean, quarterbacks have a lot of times their best years of their whole career, even when they bounce around in this style of offense. Sage, let's game plan. Phil, play the uh, sounder, please. Which one? This one? Football. Yes. I want a game plan with you. All right, Garoppolo, how do you fluster him? Because he obviously does not have the experience of Drew Brees, but he is a different quarterback. And how much can Gary Kubiak uh, fill in Zimmer on on what to expect? Because he obviously is uh, is very in tune with how the uh, Shanahan offense and the Shanahan mind thinks. 
Yeah, so if you go into the depths of it, I mean, you know, Coobs is a little bit more traditional, uh, and, and Kyle is a, a little bit more sort of like, I don't want to use more creative, because I think Coobs and, and, and Kevin have done a great job this year with, with some creativity. But Kyle really sort of pushes the envelope. And so, you know, the best thing for Zim to do is, I mean, he's been practicing against it all, you know, all offseason. He's been watched it all year. I mean, they've been seeing it. There, there's a similarity to it. Now there's some added elements to it. And, and so um, w- watching this offense, these receivers for the 49ers can flat out roll. Kyle always liked really fast guys. He always wanted at least a guy, if not two, who were those 4-3-8, guys that could just really, really roll because you stretch the defense and it opens it up for other players. And so they've got some receivers that can really run. Their backs can also take it to the house. Uh, so And George Kittle is like, who's going to guard him one-on-one? You know, do you want Harrison Smith covering him over the field? Do you want a linebacker? Like, yeah, I know Kendricks is great, and, and he's been great this year, and, and he's good man. But it, it, this, is, this is a different beast we have here. We all know Rhodes can't run like he used to. So you want him running with these wide receivers? No. So I, I think what the Vikings are going to do is play more zone coverage. I think they're going to have to give up some short completions like they did last week uh, to Michael Thomas or to the running backs for five yards or six yards or four yards. Keep the ball in front of them. Uh, You have to be concerned about play action, but I would try to mostly just rush four and get uh, and get and maybe some will blitz because of the bootleg type stuff. Uh, But I am not you know trying to. Uh, you know, do too much because you got you got to have a gap in this uh, against this defense, and, and you play a lot of man-to-man coverage. Uh, and this style of offense offense can really pick you apart. Sage, I gave them a chance last week against the Saints. Now I took that back when I found out two cornerbacks were hurt on Friday. But all week I was giving them a chance against the Saints last week, and honestly, I feel a lot better about this game because a I think New Orleans is a tougher place to play, and and Drew Brees and Sean Payton present greater challenges than the guys we're talking about in San Francisco. But just when you look at pure matchups of strengths versus strengths, strengths versus weaknesses, etc., I really like the, the 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 matchup for the Vikings in this game against the Forty ers on Sunday. Am I crazy? Well, I, I think the one thing that gives I think Vikings fans some hope is this: is the Forty ers are about seventeenth in the league and rushing to show the middle of the league. They're their defense against the pass is number one at 169 a game. That's incredible for a team that won 13 games last year. To be number one, you usually are winning at the end of the game. The other teams are throwing the ball more, uh, and you give up some you know cheap yards. They have not. So if the Vikings can run the football and sort of do what they did last week and, and keeping the ball out of the other team's hands, that definitely is to me the sort of the number one aspect of if, if the Vikings win this football game. Number two is that they can stop the run. The other side, this offensive line for San Francisco, they're the lightest in the league. They're 295, 296 pounds. All right, they struggle in the pass protection, straight drop back. They do well, obviously, with all the zone because they're quick and they can move and they can run, and the other guys have to keep up and to stay in their gaps. Uh, they're obviously good on the play-action stuff and the bootleg stuff because they can do that. But straight drop-back pass, if you can get this team in third and long, uh, if you can get a, a, a four-man pass rush like the old, the old New York Giants football teams that could just rush for him, Brady, and, and get to him, if they could do that, which I think they can, to me, uh, uh, run the football uh, for Minnesota and stop in the run uh, against this 49ers offense. Those are the two key aspects of the football game. All right, Sage, if the Vikings win this game and move on to the NFC Championship game, what will be, in your mind, the headline reason for why? Who will, who will we, last week we were showering praise on Mike Zimmer's amazing game plan. I think it was everybody last week. I mean, that was a full team win. Sure. But, like, who, who will be like, wow, th- this was the mm. thing that 
led them to a win on the road over San Francisco? Uh, the rallying cry behind the tragedy of of, uh, of Kyle Rudolph's gloves. That's going to be. <laughs> we're going to say, you know what? The team really came together. Um, well, you know who was the media person? Who was it? You know what? Rami? Don't give your don't give your stuff <laughs> away me, in the locker room. Sage. Not me. And not that's, be- that's the story. Not Kyle. because not because I'm above that, Sage. I'm not. I just wasn't there. That's that's the only reason it wasn't me. Kyle, don't. Um, give your by the way, away. I'm glad. It sounds like sounds like the kid that. Bob them from yeah, eBay he, he is donated. going to uh, donate them and put yeah. them up. So I think it's, it's all going to work out well. It's like the uh, it's like the Bush Light thing with the Iowa Iowa State game this last year, end up raising millions of dollars. So maybe it'll be something like that. Um, what would be? You mean, I mean, the Vikings are going to have. It's I'm trying to think. You know, who knows? So, you know, maybe it's uh, Conklin somehow makes a, wow. a great catch or something, right? I mean, you know, I think this. <laughs> wow, where you, you pull that hope, one from? You hope this game comes down and it ends up being close. Uh, my concern, I think this either be a close game uh, in which either team can win or, or I see San Francisco sort of blowing them out for a multitude of reasons. One, the Vikings, they, saw, they had 12 guys in the injury report. Four guys, you know, didn't practice or haven't practiced. Um, you know, Thielen just got uh, uh, stitches or whatever on his ankle from something in practice yesterday. They're, they're playing on a, a, a short week. The plan against a team, they're going two road games in a in a row, and this one's a you know three and a half four hour flight to to San Francisco or whatever. Um, uh, the Forty ers have a, a bye week, so they have all this time off. They're getting fresh. They're whatever. Um, there's a lot of sort of strikes against the Vikings in this one. So uh, you know if they win this football game, I think this is the most impressive win of the Mike Zimmer era. I, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be really, really tough to go out there. And that's not saying it can't be done. I thought, I didn't think the, they could go down to New Orleans and, and beat that football team on the road. I really like New Orleans this year, but the Vikings did it, and if they can do it two times in a row, to me that'll be as impressive as anything, probably more impressive than even getting to that championship game a couple of years ago because you know that was a situation where they had to buy, uh, and this is going on the road and, and, and playing at San Francisco. This is going to be, uh, in back-to-back weeks, this is going to be tough. What's the Zim twist? What is the, you know, uh, against the Saints, it, it was putting Griffin and Hunter inside. It was putting uh, Sandejo in the slot, which when he did it I thought was crazy and actually worked. What's the twist that you throw at Kyle that Kyle might not see coming, do you think? You know, if you can get some certain zone pressures against uh, you know Kyle, he is not always super complex in his pass protection scheme. Sometimes he thinks, you know, I can get a guy get open quick, or yep. I'll have a quick throw or shallow. And and you know, if they if they bring too many, you know, they don't they don't overly spend too much time manipulating protections like the Peyton Manning world, right? So it's sort of uh, get it and, and and make your play. And and sometimes if you get a blitz. And you're not protected. Uh, you, you can either get hit if if, if uh, um, Garoppolo doesn't see it, which he misses protection sometimes straight up. And and number two, sometimes if you do a, a blitz where you then drop guys out, they have a chance to maybe intercept a, an inside slant or a shallow crossing route because the quarterback doesn't see them. Right. So I think those would be two aspects. If they do a couple just the right blitzes, if he finds a way to break down Kyle's protection and hits a couple blitzes at the right time. That could be the difference in this football game. Football, love it, love it. Well, this is going to be this is going to be fun, and uh, we'll see. Hope it would be really fun to see a Packers Vikings NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field. Can we that just one, one time football gods make this happen, please? Hey, Sage, that would before be sweet. we let you go, um, I got this charity, and I was wondering if you could, uh, if you have any game worn gear that you could possibly <laughs> donate that I'm going to. I have. Well, I have. I have sideline worn gear. 
Rami's asking specifically that. below the below the waist. I mean, I have gear. warm up. I have I have some warm up worn gear. Still, like even a hoodie, not, even a hoodie insane. that you wore on the sideline in I a like game you were inactive. I'll take, I'll take that. Whatever you got, buddy. Whatever you got, it's for right, charity. I'll, I'll see what I have left over. It's my the Rami Maclaw Foundation. All right, sounds good. Bye, Sage. All right, guys. The Rami Maclaw Foundation sounds about as credible as some other foundation. No, it is exactly what it sounds like. It's for me. It's the Rami Maclaw. You're not trying to hide her mask. The Rami Maclaw Foundation is to benefit Rami Maclaw. That's that's the thing. Kyle, can I have your cleats, too? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Gentlemen, Tony Dungy set to join the show when we come back here to Mackie and Judd with Rami. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. I think each week we talk about every one of our players and how we can involve them. And I know earlier in the season, and we talked about this, it's a pendulum. Sometimes it swings one way or the other, and the opportunities didn't come early. But every week we go in with a player of his caliber that we're looking for ways that he can impact the game. And uh, obviously proud of how he played in that ball game, and certainly the last play. But there were a bunch of plays prior to that where he's uh, he's doing a, a great job, and he's a big part of any success that we're having. He's typically somewhere uh, in that success, whether it be run or pass. That was Kevin Stefanski, Vikings offensive coordinator, talking about Kirk Cousins and putting guys in the right spot. And sort of the ebbs and flows of how weapons are used throughout the course of a season. And one of the things I find very interesting, and by the way, Tony Dungy coming up here in just a minute, uh, is Kyle Rudolph was basically not used for the first month and a half of the season. And now Kyle Rudolph has become one of their biggest weapons in the last eight weeks or so, catching the biggest pass of the season, too. Mm-hmm. So I think Stefanski's done a really good job just uh, lining up his pieces and uh, Gary Kubiak with, with some help there over the top as well. But, gentlemen, our next guest here on Mackie and Judd with Rami is a Super Bowl champion coach. He's a Pro Football Hall of Famer, class of 2016, also a former Gophers quarterback and Vikings defensive coordinator. He is Tony Dungy. <laughs> With the Vikings playing on NBC this weekend. Tony, thank you for joining us. How are you? Hey, good to be with you. Thank you. Looking forward to Saturday for sure. It'll be super fun. And Vikings fans and Gophers fans are uh, are looking forward to hearing you here, uh, not only on Saturday, but also in this segment. And I guess my first question to you is, just in general, you've coached in so many big games and you've prepared for so many big games, playoff games, Super Bowl. What is it like in some of these meetings right now between coaches and players as you ramp up for a big playoff atmosphere. Can you take us behind the curtain, Tony? You know, you really are trying to do everything right. and You're telling your uh, players that everything is the same, that you can't, you can't just, uh, you know, go overhyped, but you've got to be ready. You've got to be ready, and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. This is what you play for. Tony, how impressive was what the Vikings did against the Saints too? Just from uh, you know from your, your side of the ball, starting with the defensive aspect and what Mike came up with to make Drew Brees look incredibly pedestrian for four quarters of football. I was at the Vikings complex yesterday uh, doing some things for NBC, and I told those guys I thought that defensive performance was one of the best I've seen in the playoffs. New Orleans is so tough in that dome. They get the momentum going. They roll, and they they play with high tempo. And Minnesota 
really handled everything they threw at them with the exception of Taysom Hill. Other than Taysom Hill, they couldn't get anything going. And I thought the plan was really good. I thought the energy they played with was exceptional. And all the different personnel groups, the things that New Orleans always gets you with, uh, Minnesota was ready for everything. It was it was a tremendous defensive performance. Do you think that the the talking heads, myself included, and I'll admit I'm I'm probably guilty of this. Not only underestimated the Vikings going into that Saints game, but really kind of underestimate the Vikings in terms of their place in the NFC and their chances to come out of that side of the bracket. The longer this goes, and the more I look at it, I like their chances more and more, Tony, to to get to the Super Bowl. Well, when you look at it, the NFC was very, very even this year, and that's what people didn't realize. You know, uh, Jacob Hollister at Seattle is six inches from the goal line, and if he scores, all the seeding is different. You know, that all of a sudden San Francisco is not a one seed, and New Orleans has a bye, and Green Bay doesn't, and it things that every game has been tight. Seattle's gone to San Francisco and won. San Francisco's gone to New Orleans and won. Minnesota's played two uh, very good games with Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay, you know, played tight games with Seattle. So there's no real favorite. And, you know, I, I didn't think the Vikings could go in there and win because I, I thought New Orleans amps up their performance at home in, in the playoffs. But I like Minnesota's chances going out to San Francisco. I really do. And I, I, I was there yesterday. The energy of practice was great again. Those, those guys are confident. Uh, this is going to be two really, really close games, I think, Seattle-Green Bay and Minnesota-San Fran. Yeah, and I think Mike Zimmer has been has been preaching this since since the very second they won that game in New Orleans to, to learn from two years ago when you had the Minneapolis Miracle and then they had a bad week of practice leading into that Eagles game. Why does that type of thing seem to happen after big games, and what and what can the Vikings learn from the guys at least that were still there on the coaching staff and the team that you come off that high of a big win uh, against New Orleans in both cases, and then oh you got to get back to work tomorrow, Tony? <laughs> you know it's pretty funny uh, at the Vikings complex. I, I ran into Coach Grant, and Bud was talking about how you play in the NFL and how you have to learn to put things behind you that you have a heartbreaking loss, you've got to put it behind you. You have one of those huge wins where you get that Minneapolis miracle, um, and you've got to put that behind you, too. And I think that's the thing that probably the veterans on this team know, that, hey, it was a, a great job going down there to New Orleans, but you know what? We've got to put that behind us right away because next week is going to be a bigger challenge. Kirk Cousins... Tony, in your mind, has to be how good on Saturday for, for the Vikings uh, to win this football game? Well, it, it's funny. I think this offense, when they've had everybody together and playing, they've been exceptional. There just haven't been that many weeks, especially lately. But when they have Dalvin Cook and, and they have uh, Rudolph and they have Thielen and they have Diggs all together, healthy and going, they've been very, very good. And San Francisco's got an excellent defense, but to stop Dalvin Cook, they're going to have to load up the line of scrimmage like New Orleans did, and Kirk is going to have two or three key shots. And if he hits them, they're they're going to win the game. And uh, it's funny because that's what he told me when I I interviewed him for our pregame show. He said, "When, when I get those, I don't know when those are going to be, but when I get them, they can't be long foul balls. They've got to be home runs. And I think that's going to be the key to the game. 
when I look at this Vikings defense, and you talk about trying to stop Dalvin Cook, I think the key for the Vikings defense is stop or at least slow down George Kittle. I think they're as equipped to do that as anybody with a handful of guys who can cover and tackle. And Xavier Rhodes, Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr. Would you agree with that, that the Vikings are as well equipped as anybody to deal with George Kittle? I watched the game. It was the opening game of last season where they played San Francisco's Garoppolo's first game there. And George Kittle wasn't the household name that he is now. But uh, San Francisco had a tough time. They got some plays on misdirection, some bootlegs. They got Kittle on some crossing routes. I think Minnesota's going to learn from that. Um, and I still think the key is stopping the run. If they stop the run, then all those play-action passes and bootlegs aren't as dangerous. And, and that's where Kittle makes a lot of plays when he gets one-on-one. Uh, against the secondary when everybody's tied up defending the run. So uh, Minnesota, they, they played a great defensive game against New Orleans. They had to do the same thing. They had to kind of take away Alvin Kamara and the run game and not let Michael Thomas get going. I think that'll be their focus, you know, take away the run game, concentrate on George Kittle, and make the other guys beat them. So, Tony, be honest here. I know we're all, uh, at least you and, you and me for sure, I mean, you played at the U of M. Uh, I went there and watched Glenn Mason football teams for four years, and I don't know if I ever expected an 11-2 and season with two wins over top 12 opponents. Did you ever expect to see a gopher season like this, the one that they just had under P.J. Fleck? Well, I, I thought it could come because, I, you know, you see, I saw Wisconsin do it, and I saw Iowa do it. I saw Northwestern do it. And you sit there and think, why, why can't we do it? And uh, P.J. has just done a tremendous job. It, it was awesome as a as an alum to to watch those guys and see them, and I hope they continue to keep it going. But it was certainly exciting. Been so long too. Uh, yes. In in your mind, in this conference, what team is the most complete team left now? So what we got: Packers, Seahawks, Vikings, San Fran. Which team to you is the most complete team still playing in the NFC? Tony Dungy. Well, I, I like San Francisco because. They, they've got a lot of weaponry on offense. They've, they've got three good runners. They've got some dangerous receivers that aren't household words. They've got a good tight end. They've got five number one draft choices in their front seven on defense. They've got a lot of youth and talent, but they still have a quarterback that hasn't played in a playoff game. And so that's going to be a big, big factor. How good is Jimmy Garoppolo going to be? Uh, Minnesota has a talented roster on both sides of the ball. Seattle, to me, they just have grit. And then Green Bay, you know, they're, they're better on defense. Uh, Aaron Rodgers isn't the Aaron Rodgers that we've been used to seeing. So it, it, to me, it's, it's a toss-up. Any one of these four teams, it would not surprise me, whoever gets to the Super Bowl, um, I, I just think it's so evenly matched. Who do you give the edge in the coaching matchup, the chess match between Mike Zimmer and Kyle Shanahan? You know, it's it's a great matchup because you've got the offensive coach on one side who's dialing up all these uh, exotic formations and motions, and then you've got a defensive coach who that's been his job for the last 20 years to stop these. And I, I think they've both seen a lot. I, I think Mike Zimmer, I, I just based on what he did last week, I, I like the Vikings' chances. I really do. Yeah, I think uh, 
Experience can sometimes be an overrated factor, but I don't know if it is in this case. The game is on NBC on Saturday. First one out of the gate. Vikings 49ers. Look for Tony Dungy on the pre and post. And we really appreciate your time and your insights. And uh, we're looking forward to an awesome weekend of playoff football, Tony. Yeah, we're excited to kick it off. I think we're going to have the best game of the weekend. Right on. All right, Tony. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks, guys. Yep. Tony Dungy, Pro Football Hall of Famer. And just stuff, man. just really nice guy from everything. He is. I he's one, like, seems like one of the nicest guys. He is. And the the crazy thing is he he built his coaching career for twenty years off defense, and then gets to the Colts, and it was like the DNA of that team was flipped inside out. Right? Yeah. One of the best offenses in the history of the NFL, and uh, and good enough defense a couple of years at least. At least the year they won the Super Bowl against oh, who was it again? I can't remember who they beat in that. Oh, that's right. It was Rami's Bears. Mm. Yep. That was a fun Super Bowl. The bet I lost in that Super Bowl. I was was in my first year working in sports talk radio when when the Bears made the Super Bowl and played the Colts. And uh, my eventual co-host at that time, I was producing uh, for him, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. He was a Colts fan, so we made a bet on the air, which I obviously lost. I had to shave a horseshoe in the back of my head. Whoa. I had short hair at the time. And I uh, had to go stand outside the Bradley Center on a freezing cold winter night while the Bucks were playing and hold up a sign that said the Bears still suck while wearing blue tights and a Jim Harbaugh Colts jersey. I think we need pictures of this. I don't think they exist, dude. People have tried to find them. And this was just before cell phones. Man, and, were and you young and raw at self, that time. And huh? I just want, Judd, I wanted, accepted. I, wanted any kind, I wanted any kind of attention I could get at that point. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty clear. I'm was, not going to debate you on that. It was my first year in the industry. And I was like, yeah, let's make a bet. I don't care if I make an ass of myself. <laughs> well, we can uh, we could probably reenact that. Where else? Could we have Rami shave off? I'm not, sha- of I'm not shaving anything. Thing. I'll, I'll put on something embarrassing. I'm not shaving it. Well, I'm not shaving my head. Make sure you got that one clean there, Jonathan. Yeah. The I'm not shaving anything I've got part. That one. Just, to, just to make sure there. Okay. I'll shave other parts of my body. That's we're good. I, right, no, okay. we're good on Can that. we stop? Okay. Yep, we're good on that. Okay. Let's just stop, okay? All right. You're going to make it weird, man. Yeah. I'll shave a horseshoe. No, 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 Anytime you want to stop, Rami. We're definitely good there. Definitely good. And now it's weird. <laughs> yep, I got nothing to say anymore. That's the winning horseshoe, though. No, it's just... not. <laughs> oh, nope. Definitely not. Nope. That's I'm not disagree. the one. Why'd we go there? That ain't it. That Why'd we have it. to go there? Because I can't help myself, Jeff. No, that ain't it. I'm a child. <sighs> Gentlemen, uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, try to change the subject now. Can I, uh... Yes, Phil. Yes, what? Anything. Can I run this by you? Sure. From, uh, I think this is the... Is it a funhouse back after this on Twitter? That's the account that basically just clowns our uh, guy, the sports pope, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So apparently that account also follows Mad Dog Russo's show on Sirius XM mm-hmm. or MLB Network or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he picked Mad Dog Russo, his all-time baseball team. He's a big ball guy. His all-time baseball team today for an MLB Network special. So this is all nine positions or all eight Positions, no DH, and then a and then a starting pitcher and a relief pitcher. Okay, I'm just gonna fly through this, and you tell me if you notice a trend here. A couple different trends, actually. Ruth DiMaggio and Ted Williams, his outfield. Mike Schmidt, his third baseman. Yeah. Derek Jeter, Joe Morgan up the middle, Lou Gehrig at first, Johnny Bench the catcher, Sandy Koufax the starting pitcher, and Mariana Rivera as his relief pitcher. Uh, yeah, that's his all-time baseball team. All-time. 150 years of Major League Baseball. And he has 
two players out of ten who played after like 1985 on it. I feel like we only do this in baseball. Could you imagine if in the NFL or the NBA, if like a major, and Mike Russo is like a major, he's on MLB Network, he's a major talking head for baseball, right? If you, mm-hmm. you know, pick out whoever you want in the NBA or the or the NFL. All right, we're going to come up with an all-NBA team, and it's going to be all-time. Uh, who's my who's my who's my guards? Bob Cousy, <laughs> George Mikan at center. I mean, yeah. are you serious? A little check maybe. Why do we? Why? I guess my question is like, why do we? All due respect to Babe Ruth, who plowed nine hot dogs between double headers and then came back out and hit a couple bombs. Like, why do we do that in baseball? Why? Why? We like, love we, history. We laugh at the notion that Sid Luckman would be in the same conversation as Peyton Manning, but in baseball, it's like I don't know. Babe Ruth had it's ridiculous. I have zero clue why. I yeah. mean, so DiMaggio. So I'm sorry, you said it's my other trend Ted is Williams a lot of left. old white guys. Yeah, on this I was going to say it's like almost exclusively old white guys or dead white guys. And the only two guys from the modern era that he has happen to be Yankees from the New York guy Mike Mad Dog Russo. Yes, when or Nick Russo. I'm sorry, Mike. Mike is it Mike Mad Dog? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, wouldn't okay. Let's just. Take a step back and say, okay, all-time old guy team. Wouldn't you also start with Mays in center? Like, wasn't Willie Mays the center fielder for that? <laughs> I, I realize he played in, in the 50s into the 70s, but, yeah, that's bizarre. Well, well But, I yeah, mean, baseball my, is the only sport. There's no other sport in which we – but this is why I don't I don't understand. Why are we all so insistent – and I'll, I know we love to do this, and I'll never get it – on doing all-time teams that don't just go by eras. Like the sport, sports change totally, right? Like the all time old guy team that you read, let's say it's the 20s through the 50s, is absolutely fine. But why are we not, why don't we take these things and divvy them up by how the game changed? And like Mike Trout is a better baseball player than anyone on this list, and it's not close. If you can you imagine taking Mike Trout today Mike and Trout, just plopping him into a game in like 1942? Mike Trout is probably going to end up being the GOAT. I have no problem sitting here in these TCL broadcast studios today and making that proclamation. Mike Trout might end up being the greatest baseball player of all time. He's well on his way when you look at what he's done to this point of his career compared to some of the guys who are on that list. For him to not be one of the three outfielders is absolutely ridiculous. But here's the thing, and I'm and I guess I you know, people can have their own list and whatever and like everyone's gonna have their own list. But here's the funny thing about what you just said. So you think Mike Trout's the greatest baseball player of all time. And no one's going to win that debate. Like, I could sit here and fight you on it. But but what would happen is, if this debate was taking place in the NBA, and you said, LeBron James is the greatest player of all time. Somebody comes back with a player that at least played in the last 20 years, Michael Jordan, and says, no, 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 Michael Jordan's the best player of all time. Right. Or in, Which in, is the correct opinion, but carry on. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. In football, you say, I mean, Tom Brady's the greatest player of all time. And somebody might come back and say, actually, I don't know. I think Peyton Manning is the greatest quarterback of all time. Or have you seen Aaron Rodgers play? Nobody digs back into the 30s and says, boy, I don't know. Have you seen Bronco Nagurski throw a football? Now, Run Red, a football up the now, middle? Red like, range was really good. People would debate you on that and say, you'd say Mike Trout's the greatest player of all time. And a large percentage of baseball fans would, say, would be like, whoa, dude, no. Willie Mays and Babe Ruth and I actually Mickey had Mantle. that debate with a buddy of mine via text. On the text thread I had with all my high school buddies, he was throwing all these old-ass names at me when I was trying to explain to him 
just how damn good Mike Trout is. And maybe it's because he plays for the Angels, and A, they're on the West Coast, B, they're California and Los Angeles' second team, so they're not the most high-profile. They're not on national TV very often. I really don't think, even people who know baseball, a lot of them grasp just how good Mike Trout is. He's amazing. And like I said, may end up being the greatest of all time. And the debate shouldn't, if if people are going to bring in two eras ago or five eras ago into any of these NFL, doesn't matter what league, right? If you're going to bring in like, well, Willie Mays, I'm going to bring up Mike Trout, you're going to bring up Babe Ruth or something. Then your argument isn't who's the better player or who's the more dominant player. Your argument is relative to the era that they played in. I think that blank, blank, but blank. That's my question is why don't we just go by that? You know, th- th- this whole football thing that they spent, you know, a year on, right? Or months on unveiling the greatest running backs of all time. And then they acknowledged, well, we got to put uh, so-and-so from the 1934 Duluth Eskimos in. No, actually, just take that, take that list and say the best players in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, all right? And then just have updated lists. Yeah. Like like comparing comparing Walter Payton against today's backs is a stretch. It's a complete stretch. The game has evolved. It's changed completely. Like Walter Payton was expected to what? Run the football, right? I don't think he was expected to be this great receiver who could also block, and now guys are. So why are we trying to have these arguments about, well, I'd leave Payton off, or I'd put Payton on and leave so-and-so off? Well, no, let's just do them by, by the era. It's not hard to define when sports have pivoted and changed, right? Yeah. Like, you can find pretty strong points of, yeah. this sport really changed here. Sometimes they change the rules. Well, you you also, like, you and I got that Babe tweet. Ruth played when there were no no black players. Right. Or no so let's, minority players, period. Yeah, really. so let's pivot to, oh, you know what? Ruth is a great player for that era against that competition, yeah. which was all white people. Someone sent us a clip of a 1977 Vikings game. I think it was 1977, in which they lined up for a 43-yard field goal. Rick Danmeyer. I grew up watching him. Rick Danmeyer was the kicker. And Rick Danmeyer lined up straight behind the ball, about five yards. The ball was snapped. 43-yard field goal. And I'm not trying to denigrate Rick Danmeyer. He takes three steps forward and kicks straight on. And the ball came up three yards short of the goal line, or of of the goal post. Yes. From 43 yards. Okay. Like, you can't watch that and then, with credibility, compare football in 1977 to football now. Right. And, and, and I don't know why. Like we've, and, we, and we do that fine. Like, we're fine with that in football. We can very easily compartmentalize that in football. But we don't do it in baseball. And talking heads on a national level are still putting out all-time lists that include only players from the 40s. And it's just amazing. Yeah. I don't know how people look at athletes of past eras and even try to compare them to guys today. Like, there, have been, there were guys... In some of those eras of baseball, who, no offense, Judd, looked like Judd in baseball uniforms. And you want to compare them to athletes like Mike Trout, who are playing today? You want to put Judd up against Mike Trout? Is that what you're trying to do? Love you, Judd. No offense. But are you really trying to put Judd up against Mike Trout? I could see Judd in one of those baggy, like, wool uniforms yeah, from the 30s. that's what I'm saying. And here he comes. John Zolgad is betting three John Zolgad's drank nine craft beers today. Uh, the baggy pa- baseball yep. pants that cut off he, just below the knee yeah. with the stirrups. He, play, he played that game completely drunk. Yeah. And <laughs> still had three home runs. Look at Zolgad now. He's visiting children in the hospital. Uh, Look at him go. There's his dog Stella now. I'll, I'll, hit, a home, I'll hit a home run for this youngster today and then go home and drink a Atlantic Ogle Brew. Uh, Vikings coverage in full on scorenorth.com. And the Score North app. Also, Judd and I are going to be hosting a two and a half hour special pregame show 
on Saturday from 1 until kickoff and taking your calls on Vikings Vent Line into the night as soon as the game is over. If you're listening, download the Score North app. Uh, it's free, Apple Store, Android, go to the Google Play Store, you can find it. And then a three-hour aftermath special from 9 until noon on Sunday morning. We'll come back with In Other News, gentlemen, Mackie and Jeb with Rami. And if you spell Luther Brookdale Toyota backwards or forwards, it that doesn't spell the same, actually. Not even close. But those are some of my favorite people in the industry. People my family and I have been going to for 30-plus years on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. They built their brand-new stadium, quote-unquote, about eight years ago. And they took a really smart front office, I guess you could compare to uh, baseball, and a really, really talented group of players, and they put them in a new stadium, and boom, uh, we get the benefit as customers. You can stop in on your way home, open until 9 o'clock tonight, and you can find out why uh, the people are friendly and knowledgeable and how uh, they will help you. And they like for, for a guy like me, I don't really know anything about cars, I'll just be honest, so I like when when people can explain things to me very clearly in a way that I understand, and they give honest assessments when it comes to service, no BS. Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard is the spot to go. Uh, let's talk about Federated 2 here before we get to In Other News. And by the way, this might be one of the best In Other News segments of the of the year that we've been doing it. We're looking forward to this one. Rami and I already crossed on, on one story that I am claiming. But Federated... Federated is here to help business owners, and Federated is taking their charitable spirit and the way they go about helping people, and they have, they're they applying that to your business and, uh, and to business owners. For instance, Federated, for the last 15 years, has uh, they have spearheaded the Federated Challenge to raise over $35 million for Big Brothers and Big Sisters in Minnesota. Also, for Big Brothers Big Sisters, they donate $1,000 for every forced turnover by the Gopher football defense. Uh, they're a proud sponsor of U of M Athletics. So uh, find out by going to their website, federatedinsurance.com, why Federated has been such a helpful, powerful force in the insurance business going back to the early 1900s in Owatonna, Minnesota. Federatedinsurance.com. And remember, Federated, it's their business to protect yours. We are the three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Eagles and the Eagles Mackie and Judd with Rami on ScoreNorth and ScoreNorth.com. Jonathan here with the ScoreNorth Download Destination Winter St. Paul featuring the Wells Fargo Winter Skate and the Securian Financial Super Slide is open now through February 22nd over at CHS Field in St. Paul. The Wells Fargo Winter Skate opens daily at 11 a.m. and the Securian Financial Super Slide is open Thursday through Sunday. For more information, visit ScoreNorth.com keyword winter 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala was talking yesterday about how to stop the Vikings run game, saying... Yeah, this is a run-first team. you got to be able to stop the run. They do a really good job first and second down. They're uh, very similar to our offense in, the re- in regard to its play-action pass, its max pro, its shots downfield, boots, uh, run game. So uh, we've got to strap up our big boy pads and get ready to play some ball uh, this week. That's a football. That's oh, big boy pads. about the boots? That's that jacked up bald guy, right? Yep. Yes. That guy's Did you say awesome. big boy pants or big boy pads? Either way. Play that again, actually. Either way, I yeah. like it. Yeah, this is a run first team. you got to be able to stop the run. They do a really good job first and second down. They're 
uh, very similar to our offense in, the re- in regard to its play-action pass, its max pro, its shots downfield, boots, uh, run game. So uh, got to strap up our big boy pads and get ready to play some ball uh, this week. Come on! Football! Yeah. I still can't tell if he's uh, saying pads or pants, and you know what? He's saying pads. I don't care. I don't care. Either way, it's football. It doesn't matter. It's just football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get okay. ready for Th- it. Does that sound bite? So we've, we're all pretty confident if Adam Thielen plays that the Vikings have a really good chance to win this game. After hearing that sound bite from jacked up, bald defensive coordinator guy from San Francisco, mm-hmm. I think the Vikings gain zero yards. It's going to be like, remember the Titans. <laughs> I want you to blitz all night. Yeah, I don't know. Do that, think, guy, that guy scares me. Do you think when when the Browns called uh, to request to talk to the Niners defensive coordinator that they called and said, can we uh, talk to Jacked Up Ball Guy? <laughs> For Jacked Up Ball Guy, press five. Jacked Up Ball Guy. Oh, this is Jacked Up Ball Guy. What's going on? <laughs> We'd like to talk to you about our head coach. He goes, not now. I'm putting on my big boy pads. <laughs> Uh, yeah, is is, uh, is Jacked Up Ball Guy coming to the company party tonight? I always love when Jacked Up Ball Guy comes Robert, to the company Robert party. Robert Sala looks like, he looks like if football was a person, though, doesn't yeah. he? <laughs> it just looks yes. like the, if the that sport of the football very... was a person, it would be Robert Sala. Oh, that's that's a good description. Come on! Football! That is good. Uh, amazing. All right, Jonathan, can you cue up the, uh, there we go, the proper segment New day and new time for In Other News, but still our chance to take a break from all that hard-hitting sports talk, like what you just heard here on Mac and Judd with Robbie. It's literally hard-hitting sports talk. And bring you some of the more weird and wacky news from around the world. Guys, I know we usually go one apiece around the horn with our In Other News stories, but I have a theme to my two in other news stories today, and I'm wondering if I could just give them both to you right off the top. Is is that all right with you guys? My theme... It's strong, independent women who know what they want in the modern world, guys. That's that's what this is all about. In other news. We talk often about Florida man in other news. He's a staple in other news. How about Florida woman, though? How about 19-year-old McGuire Mary McLaughlin, who was arrested during an incident last week during which she vowed to procure dipping sauce at McDonald's, quote, by whatever means necessary. <laughs> Like it. Purry smoking right. guns. Just before you go further, yes. we've all been there, right? We've all been there. Purry smoking guns cited police report. The incident went down around 4 a.m., and it's always around 4 a.m. on New Year's Day and saw the arrival of local police at the McDonald's in question, at which point McLaughlin was observed screaming vulgarities at the drive through. Upon paying for the food, she requested dipping sauces from the employee. An Indian County River officer said in the report, the employee in question then said to have informed McLaughlin that the sauce would cost an additional 25 cents, prompting, quote, a verbal altercation of sorts. McLaughlin further stated that she will be getting the sauce, again, by whatever means necessary. However, it could not specify (laughs) what she meant by that. The officer added that, are you ready for the shocker? The odor of an alcoholic beverage was amazing. From her mouth during the McDonald's moment, which also included a request for one of every flavor of dipping sauce from the fast food establishment, a request seemingly complicated by the clarification of a quarter per sauce policy. Ultimately, she was taken into into custody for disorderly conduct using a restraint device. 
and released the following day. Wow. They had to use a restraint device. Since when do the dipping wow. sauces cost extra? I think you get two. I think two are included in the order, and you have to pay 25 cents beyond that. And it I've, can be a tough decision sometimes. I've gotten every flavor of sauce at McDonald's when I get a sizable order of, of chicken nuggets. I don't I know feel, about you guys. I feel like if you are going to go to your local McDonald's at 4 a.m. <laughs> and all you want, all you request is every dipping sauce, that you should qualify to be given said sauces. <laughs> like at 4 a.m., who's going to report you from the establishment? Especially, I'm with you. you know, there's all kinds of crazy vibes being sent off leading up to the point where she says, by any means necessary. <laughs> and when she says, by any means necessary, there's no conflict on my end. I'm with you. Totally with Phil on this, too. That's that Take point. a little extra ranch. I don't need that. That sauce but isn't that important to me. I don't want that smoke. If I'm, this much controversy. if I'm a minimum wage McDonald's employee, you're telling yeah. me I'm putting my life on the line for dipping sauces oh, from man, this I'm woman good. who just said no. she's getting those sauces by whatever no. means necessary? I don't, want that. I don't want that smoke. As no. soon as she says that, I'm like, of course. So Here, here's eight <laughs> dipping sauces. Right. So here's the follow-up question, okay? What is the fast food item that you guys... Would by any means necessary look to acquire? I haven't tried that Popeyes chicken sandwich, man. But people are literally like killing each other well, for them. Like people are getting stabbed over the Popeyes chicken sandwich. That's got to be some. That must good. be some kind of sandwich. Let's put ourselves in, in the exact situation that Rami spelled out. Drunk four a.m. Drunk at four a.m. Okay? Yeah, because I feel like if you ask me at five forty right now, and I'm completely <laughs> sober, I hope I'd be like, oh yeah, I might want this or that. I'm not sure. But when you've got that mission, mine would start at Taco Bell. It would start at Taco Bell. I'm not sure exactly what it would be, but it would be Taco Bell. Crunchwrap. Taco Bell is the best drunk food I think Honestly, God has created as far as fast yeah. food. Goes. Taco Bell has a million different versions of everything, but you can't go wrong with just like a a twelve pack of just standard hard shell tacos, man. I'm a soft shell guy. That's what we did for New Year's. I don't really mess with the mm. Bell. Love Mexican food. Don't really. I don't really make a run for the border that often though. Uh, but if I do, it's going to be soft shell. If you drink gin, sure. you don't do that? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Another strong independent woman who knows what she wants. <laughs> a British woman has been jailed for going on a drunken, drunken rampage on a flight from Abu Dhabi to Manchester after asking men to join her in the Mile High Club, according to reports. Demi Burton, who boarded the May 9th, 2019 flight while already sloshed, continued to drink while the flight until the flight attendants told her she could no longer order alcohol. By then, she she had already gotten so drunk that she propositioned several men to get frisky in the lavatory while cruising at 30,000 feet. But when told she could no longer drink booze, the unhinged woman kicked, bit, and headbutted the crew during her four-hour blowout. You may as well just land the plane now, Burton shouted at the crew and unleashed her attack as her 259 fellow passengers looked on in horror. An anesthesiologist who tried to restrain Burton was bitten on the elbow and headbutted, (laughs) saying the struggle was, quote, worse than anything he'd seen in the emergency room. Other passengers also were bitten and kicked before six crew members and others finally took her down, restrained her, and handed her over to authorities when they touched down. Quote, it was a stressful situation, but whilst I managed to remain calm and professional, it's not acceptable to crew members to be treated this way and not fair to the other passengers. So at what point was she going up and down and propositioning and asking people if they wanted to join the Mile High Club? Yeah, it sounds like... Then it got nasty. Yeah. 
At I first, see. I thought this was like Spirit Airlines' new way of upcharging. She, it's a, it's a carry on is twenty five bucks, and there's if you more. Want a little. Uh, she started making a number of inappropriate sexual comments to a number of male passengers on the flight. Two in particular remember hearing comments, and at first they laughed it off, but then it became more and more increasingly inappropriate. And she asked <laughs> them to join the Mile High Club. No, seriously. Both tried to end the conversation with her, but she carried on. One said she felt quite shocked by her comments, and people around her started to ask her so, to be quiet, as others could hear. They didn't land this thing early? No, like apparently it's, not. It this like went on for four hours. you got to push through. It sounds like a situation where you might find an airport and say, we need to get a passenger okay. off. I say somebody right. just... And then arrest This is just a woman looking for love. Just give her exactly. the love she's looking for, and then she'll I take a, a nap, and it'll be a peaceful I got flight. a question about that, but Phil, go ahead. I was going to say, how many... There's like 250 other people on the flight. Doesn't someone have to just step up and be like, all right, whatever. I'll just take one for the team here. I mean, if it calms everyone down and gets us to our destination. At the, I got risk, a question about at the risk of sounding crass, you're not even really taking one for the team. She's an attractive young lady. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. yeah. So I have one question about, yeah, show, show our producer, Jonathan. He feels oh, sorry, left Jonathan. out. Sorry. Okay. That's a yeah. nice down jacket she's got. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, here's... Here's my one. yoga pants on. Okay, let's explore the space here because I've got one question. That's it. As an adult male, or just forget male, as an adult, this whole thing about airplane bathrooms, I don't understand how it operates. I, I, yeah. I don't like, as like, someone who has trouble I'm not sitting a, into one myself. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. A guy of my dimensions, just not happening. It's not working for me. Just no, not but, happening. But I'm saying, who is, the man, who is the man who was like, oh, I got plenty of room. Yeah, you come in and you come. You know, like, that's what I don't understand. I mean, I'd imagine you got to get creative, Judd. You know. Are you limber enough? Oh, I'm flexible. I'm double jointed in every taking, in every joint of my body. I think you'd have a chance. I don't yeah. know if I've ever told you guys Seems that. Like taking, work for you taking care of nature's call alone <laughs> to me can be an issue. Like I've got elbows Drop. hitting things. I've got elbows hitting things and my knees hitting things, and I'm not comfortable in there. And this is me alone. Just doing what I got to do. You're saying every time it's a physical feat for you? Like afterwards, you're like, I just accomplished something. When's the last time When's the last time you answered nature's call on an air or in an airplane bathroom and thought, that was really comfortable? Uh, I actually, I have a major phobia of having to use the airplane bathrooms. I've only done it probably three times in my life. For any, for one or two? I just don't. I, I I try to take care of business early. I don't want. I don't want to be climbing over people. I don't want. To, I don't want there to be turbulence. And I, you know, whiz the mirrors. I just don't. Well, for one, Rami wouldn't be awake for this whole situation. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. He'd be, uh, he's out of this conversation. Jonathan, that's a great point. She could have had her way with me. <laughs> God. Yes. He's not wrong. In other news, he didn't say I mean, it's not inaccurate. The guy sitting next to Rami just grabs Rami's hand. Hey, choose me. He'll do it. I feel like it's like those weekend at Bernie's. It's like those. Rami's got the glasses on. Or you guys ever seen those Hulk Hogan matches from the eighties or nineties where, where he's like he's like being put in a sleeper hole and, they lift and the, the ref grabs the arm once and twice, a third time. Oh, Rami's awake. It's weekend at Bernie's, but it's not. Oh, okay. What? Oh. What? Oh, I, all right, I, I think we just went too far. <laughs> and this concludes the programming day at Score North. AM 1500 KSC. I'm, I'm sorry, I couldn't not. I couldn't not. I'm sorry. All right, oh, that's boy. my contribution for the day. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I keep... hope that job in Milwaukee still open. <laughs> 
I'm going to keep the theme alive here. Your theme is women who know what they want Strong here. Strong, independent news, right? women who know what they want. From WLWT5TV.com in Bell County, Kentucky. A Kentucky woman has been arrested after police said she tried to use her dog's urine during a drug screening on Monday. Gotta try. I, I like where you're going so far. Police said the incident took place when Julie Miller, 40, was at the Bell County Probation and Parole Office for a probation visit. As part of her supervision, she was asked to submit a drug screen. One of the police officers said she sneaked in some of her pet's urine in an attempt to pass it off as her own urine uh, to probation and parole officers. Like a Wizenator deal? Um, let's keep reading and find out. Police said she later admitted to police that it was her dog's urine. She was then asked by police if it was brought in because she knew she would fail the drug test, and she said, yeah. <laughs> She said her test would show that she had used methamphetamine and, uh, is it subexone? Subexone something. And I'm going to turn, I'm going to turn this picture to you guys because I have the mugshot here, okay? This is Julie Miller, 40 years old from Bell County, Kentucky, using her dog's urine during a drug screening in which she was set up to fail for methamphetamine. Sure. And you tell me if she's not exactly what you have pictured in your head, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Hold on. That's for sure, sure. Hold that's on for sure what I expected her to look like. Are her eyes, like, rolling up in her head? In other news. Yeah, it's the Exorcist 4. I would love it if they tested the sample and were like, ma'am, you have a tapeworm. Yeah. Like, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> really and rabies. And rabies. Weird. I crazy. think the biggest surprise... Since this segment began, the biggest surprise is the gal that you just showed us going around the airplane. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've seen an attractive person in this segment in in shots (laughs) until now. The fact that this is an attractive person is shocking. Seriously. It's impressive. Mine's okay. Okay. Not great. Right. So I'm going to turn it back to you. Oh, you're bringing because it back you around to, be to on me. A roll today. Hold on one second. Let me uh Actually, well, well you look for one. Mm-hmm. I have All I right. have one that I've fits the okay show. I've got an okay one, but it's not All as right. good as these. In other news, a Wisconsin bar introduces White Claw claw machines and people yes. are lining up to play. Yes. Uh, you hear that? That's the sound of hundreds and hundreds of basic white girls, according to whiskeyriff.com. <laughs> <laughs> including Phil Mackey. Uh, and a bunch of dudes, too, let's be honest, the article says, stampeding their way from a bar in Arizona across the Great Plains toward a couple of bars in Wisconsin. So if you were about to book your flight to Arizona, try the White Claw Claw Machine at the popular El Jefe in Scottsdale. You might want to hold off for a second because in Badger County, we have Jack's American Pub and the Milwaukee Brat House, both in Milwaukee, just introduced White Claw claw machines and they have pictures of the white claw claw machines it's literally like think about those claw machines where you get stuffed animals and instead of stuffed animals they have white claw just full of white claws yeah that's amazing that won't lead to fights and dewey's will it that's dropped it that's brilliant i mean that's uh that's the heartbreak of trying out the white claw jonathan if did you guys real quick see my tweet this morning about uh what i think we should do with qb cesspool challenge i think we can fold this right into 
in other news. So there, there. In other news. I'm sure you guys have seen this before. In fantasy football leagues, sometimes the last place finisher has to serve some kind of some kind of punishment, mm-hmm. some kind of yeah. penalty. ESPN had a whole article about it today at ESPN.com. There were a lot of great examples. One guy had to go see cats while dressed like a cat. <laughs> That's pretty mean. One guy had to consume a bowl of butter. One guy had to go. One guy what? had to go. Yeah. <laughs> one guy had to go full Oompa Loompa at the mall, like was just walking <laughs> oh, around the shopping like, mall like in an a Oompa Loompa costume. But the best one is the guy who had to attempt the Waffle House challenge because he came in last place. I read this last night. You oh saw this. God. The what Waffle House challenge, if it's you don't know, you have to spend 24 hours in a Waffle House, but for every <laughs> waffle that you eat, one hour gets knocked off. Oh. Uh, how many waffles can you conceivably eat in like two hours? Maybe six. How big are the waffles? They're big. Waffle House waffles are sufficient. I read this. This is not a pretty. If we, if the problem to, is if you try to go as far as you if you try, he, if you eat like ten, you're miserable now for correct fourteen he gave, hours. He gave the play by play via Twitter, and if we have to end the show, just tell me stop, and we have to end the show. We have, but, uh, Ninety seconds, really? He said, uh, "Okay, but 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 gave myself an hour to settle in and work up an appetite. Just placed an order for six waffles. Then he's <laughs> then he starts getting into it. Two waffles down, no butter, separate plate for minuscule dipping, and he has a picture of a separate plate with syrup for minuscule." dipping three down says one tweet next tweet oh my god i'm going to die (laughs) next tweet one hour and five waffles down 18 hours left on the clock next tweet what do blood clots feel like asking for a friend (laughs) next tweet i'm learning that as waffles get cold they change flavors not for the better person in waffle house you've only eaten five waffles in 90 minutes me you want to try out try it person in waffle house silence um, let's see. Carries on, carries on. Good thing there's no Waffle Houses in the Twin Cities. So this is a war of attrition, but I can't say enough how supportive the Waffle House staff has been. Hashtag team together. Multiple people have asked. Unfortunately, this is not a Coach Carter situation where I could have friends eat waffles on my behalf. This is my mountain to climb, my cross to bear, my devil to devour. It's amazing. <laughs> the whole thread is just amazing. There's well, there are IHOPs in the Twin there's Cities. There's one I guess. where he tweet. He just tweets Sprite and waffles. That's the that's the all all the the caption in the tweet, and then it's that Alonzo morning gif of him like thinking okay, something yeah. is terrible and disgusting, and then realizing, okay, yeah, that's actually not that bad. Amazing. That sounds so. Uh, so your bad. proposition is that because we didn't do any quarterback cesspool challenge punishments, that we, we should pick, pick one from one, that list. We should pick one off this list for sure. In other news, and, and we can modify it too. If there's if we one, do the Waffle House one, we could pick a different restaurant. One guy I, had to buy I'm a, the one that lost. So yeah. one guy had to buy a billboard that just said, "My name's Eric, and I suck at fantasy football." And it's a picture of him <laughs> next to the, next he had to the to buy the billboard though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's expensive. I was gonna say yeah, it's just a bunch of, that's, that must be nice to be like a rich friend group. That's the. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That you would yeah. do, right? Because then it's just funny. <laughs> oh, my God. We'd be broke. All right. Mackie and Judd with Rami. You can find us on demand anywhere you find podcasts. Try the Score North app, which is free to download, or Apple or Spotify, and we'll see you guys tomorrow. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.